welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. John Blake's Wigs and Facial Hair has been providing the highest quality wigs and facial hair to the film, television, and live theater industries for 15 years. Our human hair wigs are low density and hand tied on Swiss lace to give the most realistic and natural appearance that is undetectable in HD and 4K content. This small, family-owned company has grown to fill a vital role to artists across the globe. We provide an unparalleled customer service experience that is rare in today's retail market. Our facial hair pieces come in 17 different styles and colors that are designed to precisely mimic natural growth and coloring patterns. They are made from blending human and yak hair in order to create the most realistic texture and appearance of men's facial hair growth. We are grateful to be celebrating 15 years of being an industry leader and a vital part of your artistry. Okay, folks, it's that time of year again, award season. And of course, the Last Looks podcast is all over the Oscars situation. We have five bonus episodes where I'll be catching up with all five teams nominated for their superb makeup and hair work. All teams are asked the same set of questions, but of course, they all have very different answers. Join me and these incredible artists while we dive into the exceptional work they did to get them to where they are today, Oscar Makeup and Hair nominees for 2022. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast, guys. It really does take a lot to get all these teams together to be able to bring these bonus episodes to you. With everyone working and shooting all over the world, as you know, it's hard. It certainly takes time and effort. So for that, I'm thankful to you, the listener, and all my guests. I hope you enjoy these special episodes as much as I did putting them together. Picture's up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast team. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And may I say a huge congratulations on your Oscar nomination for your work on the film Cruella. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> now let's start with introductions. If I could get you to tell us your name and your position on the team. I'm Nadine Stacey and I'm their hair and makeup designer. And I'm Naomi Don and I was Emma Thompson's personal hair and makeup artist. And I'm Julia Vernon and I was the crowd supervisor. Brilliant. So tell me, when you heard the news that you'd been nominated, what was the first thought that came to mind? It's probably some expletives. Um, I <laughs> just just totally surreal, and that hasn't kind of gone away really. I don't think it just feels kind of crazy, and um, just absolutely delighted to be recognised for the work that we did. Yeah, just just a it's just a really lovely time. Very happy, <laughs> and I I felt very overwhelmed because you know at the end of the day getting nominated for an Oscar is like a huge recognition by the industry, by our peers also, of the work that we've done. And, and really it's 
the highest recognition you can have in, within our industry. So I was very overwhelmed by it all. Um, yes, the same. Totally. I mean, shocked and overwhelmed because I, as a crowd supervisor, don't expect to get nominated for anything. I don't think it's happened before. So I was totally not expecting it whatsoever. So, yeah, totally shocked. <laughs> but but delighted as well, yeah, to have that recognition. The crowd that the crowd is is important and has been recognised is, is massive, actually, I think. Yeah, it's very cool. I would love for you guys to talk us through three characters from the film. And, Julia, your character is the crowd. So everything from makeup and hair, from research and development through to daily application. Okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll start with Estella Cruella. We've got, the, we've got this character, Estella, who's a young girl living in 1977. And so the era and where we were set was very important to me. And I kind of try and always put myself in the mind of that character and what she would be seeing on the streets, what would she see, be seeing in terms of fashion and music and, and art and what was going on around her. So and where she kind of is socially as well. So it was very important to me to establish her you know, as a kind of a, a young sort of punk girl, but in a very kind of do-it-yourself way, because punk was just starting at that time. So, and then she creates this character, Cruella. And um, the greatest thing for me was that because it, as part of our story, we hadn't seen Cruella before, that I was kind of creating her as we went along. So it gave me a real opportunity to play with the looks and to really push things and to, she's kind of hiding herself from the Baroness a lot throughout the film. So using the hair and makeup in these kind of masks and cut, disguising herself and changing the silhouettes and um, kind of a bit of a shapeshifter in a way. And, and, and so it, it just gave me lots and lots of scope to play I wanted to kind of have fun with it and I wanted to use as many different kind of mediums as possible so when we first when I first started to look at the first time we see her with the kind of feathered and the jeweled um, mask that she's got on that actually came from a pair of eyelashes that I found that the big feathers are eyelashes and then just stuck them on upside down and then built the mask from there I didn't even know that that was coming that mask from there and then we just kind of built it out with my assistant Guy Common who's an amazing makeup artist yeah lots of lots of things were quite organic and I looking back I like the idea that punk feels quite like that as well that it was very organic and very home done yeah uh, most of the looks as we went along really just kind of came from going to see costume and what they were doing and how we could try something new and the the more I pushed the looks the more they kind of let me get away with it so I sort of became braver and braver as we went along and then in this completely different world to that we had the Baroness who I'll let Naomi tell you kind of that needed to be, look very different in terms of our two leading ladies. I think one of the biggest challenges for me in the film, which I would never have even imagined when I first started, of all, it was such a huge undertaking and there were so many different looks and so many different things to achieve throughout the film. And I never thought that, that the black and white wigs would be the thing that would stump us so much. And I think the thing is that 
the white side of the hair is so processed, so it's it reacts differently to the dark side of the hair. And at the beginning, I'd, I I didn't want to go black and white because I felt like it'd be too stark on screen. And I also thought that if you're going black and white, you could just pick up a joke shop wig. So I wanted to go really, really dark brown and then a kind of off-white, the kind of white that your hair would go. So we had these wigs made and then got them and thought, oh, right, we're going to dress them into these styles. And as we started to dress them, they just didn't react the way that we thought they would. And also, it's this strange thing when you dress a wig and you look at black and white, your eye kind of takes you off. It's kind of hard to explain until you do it. But I was getting some of the best hairdressers that we had around going, can you just come and look at this wig for me? Because I can't figure out what's going on. And then they would go, no, I don't know why it's not looking the way that you want it to look because it just kept throwing you out and it it was honestly one of the biggest challenges and also we couldn't get enough made we couldn't get hair so I couldn't get enough made so what became all the different looks that we came up with almost became like a kind of lego kit we kind of had one wig and then we added a fringe to it or we added extra hair to it or you added pieces to it because I didn't have enough in an ideal world I would have had all those looks dressed and up on the walls but you know ready to go but it, it kind of didn't work out that way so yeah it was a, a a really kind of unforeseen challenge. So I designed Emma's the Baroness's makeup based on well first I had a meeting with Nadia and looked at her research and she gave me a whole load of images that she felt would be right for the Baroness and a lot of them were images I'd already pulled so I felt that she was completely the opposite to Cruella, who she was someone who was really had seen her sell by date, becoming a bit of a dinosaur, dated and stuck, but stuck in an era that I sort of felt would be around the 50s or 60s, which would be when she was in her prime. And she was definitely the opposite. She was very put together. She was very structured. She was, had a very perfect makeup. And she had hair that was very done and just got bigger and bigger. A bit like, you know, listening to Nadia talking about taking risks as you go along and characters growing. It's it's often the case that you start, you only really start to get to know a character as you start shooting and working on them. And then they start growing within you and you can you can see how far you can go and and I suppose I was very inspired by the risks that Nadia was taking. I knew she would take risks because I'd seen her work and I was sort of very impressed in the past by the fact that Nadia would really push push the limits and go places that not many people would go in film. So I was very aware of that. And I wanted to do, within the world of the Baroness, I wanted to be able to do something similar and really push it so these hairstyles just got they grew bigger and bigger and bigger and more ornate and I grew and my confidence grew with your confidence grows as you get to know a character more and I felt very supported by Nadia and her team who really helped me dress some of these things that I would think up these hairstyles quite late and then you know I brought in Lolly Goodship who helped me build them and everyone was very supportive and encouraging and it's a very good envi- it's a very great creative environment when you have that support because you feel that you can take risks and when you take risks and they work that's when you really fly with your work it's the payoff yeah it's a big payoff and then you create a character that that has some depth as well not just a superficial character but there's always has to be a story i think with the makeups you create 
there has to be a reason for those looks and uh, and so it's it's a really great journey to go on that's awesome how much input did emma have she was just very enthusiastic about it and the costumes yeah. you know we went off the costumes jenny bevan's costumes i also spent a lot of time with jenny right from the beginning right from the initial fittings with her muslins and I was there in schlapping around on trains, trying up to Glasgow to be there for all the fittings. So that's where we started designing. And that's where the inspiration came from, really, initially. That's very cool. And Julia? The crowd. So <laughs> we had a lot of them. We obviously had to do, we were based at Shepparton to start with, and then we went on the road. So we had three big parties or balls. And the first one was going to be the Cruella ball with the black and white wigs. And Nadia had already, when we were in prep, Nadia had already got them ordered because when we found we could buy them, they were the wrong way around. The colorway was the wrong way around. So she had to get them made. So they were being made and we were going to get them like very last minute. So we started dressing all the, the 18th century ball wigs. So we had all those characters to get ready that we were prepping in between so we were dressing all those, sourcing all the wigs while we were doing the fittings for the general crowd. We were starting shooting at Liberty, exteriors at Liberty. The first day was crazy location. I think it was a Sunday morning and we had all the local street people, London street crowd outside Liberty, sort of 1970s. So we had all those to fit initially. Yeah, we were fitting, fitting all the sort of the normal looks for the, all the crowd for all the different locations and dressing all these wigs. And then the, the black and white wigs came and we had to yeah, do those rapidly. But I had, you know, such an amazing team. We were literally probably, I had 25, 30 people with me, most of the film really, as a core team, constantly fitting and, and uh, dressing wigs and shooting and then we went on the road and of course it's just yeah it's the logistics is it was huge as well but we had the all the atelier characters in the in the fashion house all the lovely little ladies the you know the seamstresses and then we had all the fashion designers i mean it was just you know it was just a dream really and all the characters to create it was just great fun it was great fun it's great fun doing all the all the research and it was great fun you know doing all the do's it's funny when you look back actually julia when you look back at the film and you realize how much crowd there is because you think about the ball scenes but then then you watch it and go oh there's all those people in there there's you know when when the dogs are getting washed and the people that look like their dogs and there was things I'd totally forgotten about and how much you guys um, to create that world around us it was kind of amazing I've got to say it's like one it, it's honestly one of the greatest things that Julia's up with us that crowd will get recognized because it really you take that crowd away from Cruella it's you know it's it's it really painted everything for us it's just always the case that when you have a the crowd sets the feeling it's the atmosphere of the film so with what Julia did was pretty extraordinary the detail that she went into and I, I kept saying when I went on that set and saw the crowd I that I'd never seen a, that crowd was just mind-blowingly good and so much better than my stuff on Emma I thought <laughs> oh god every day there i was thinking we we come out and i think the crowd are putting us to shame honestly they're so oh, good <laughs> i mean it's lovely i mean the thing is you what you guys have to you have you have very often have to compromise on the, on the actors for various reasons and and we don't you know we can just go for it you know they, they don't have a say they don't have a say in, in what they look like they're just told by me you're wearing that you know and this is what it's going to look like so 
we have no restrictions in that way you know we don't we don't have any sort of you know barriers we can just go for it you know so that's that's what I one of the reasons I love doing crowd is that I don't have an actor telling me I don't want to wear that <laughs> and you're very free with, you're very free in the crowd yes well, but you also had a crew of some of the best makeup artists around working. Yeah, oh, I mean, amazing people. And I'm so pleased that they are going to be part of this award, really. And because they've done it for years and years and years, and they never get any recognition. And I mean, they still won't, you know, and nobody will know who they are apart from a few people, you know, we've put on Instagram. And I mean, it was disappointing that they didn't have a credit, I have to say, on the film, because they did so very often. If you do more than a so, so many days, you get a credit on it. But there was no dailies on that credit, which is disappointing because they did so much hard work on that. And they are so talented, but they don't they don't want to be looking after the actors. They just want to do that. They want to be in the crowd and create in the crowd room. And uh, I'm so pleased for them. And they're so excited that they're part of this as well. Even though they're not, their name's not anywhere, they are really chuffed that they are part of this whole process of, uh, of yeah, being involved in, a, in an award, which is great, yeah. Now, throughout filming, what did you guys find to be your biggest challenge? I would say the wigs, as I said, was was a big challenge. And I think looking back, you, you kind of you kind of look back with rose tinted glasses, don't you? you? Go, oh I remember when we were doing this and it was but actually at the time to the amount of the amount of looks and the amount of changing all the time every single day was another big look somewhere. Whether it was whether it was for Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, the crowd, or if we were changing eras, or there was never a there was never a kind of rest day. You know, it was kind of yeah. it was full on all the time. And I think the more that we, as Naomi was saying, the the more that you kind of push yourself, the more that you were then thinking, oh, what can I do next? Mm-hmm. So then you were you you were almost setting yourself up every time to create something bigger and bigger and um, and all these moments were kind of big impactful moments particularly with the Emmas when you when you see them they're they're competing with each other all the way through who's going to win you know so it's it's kind of every look needed to be impactful so yeah it was it was a lot of work every day I would say (laughs) that was that was the the challenge I guess. I think for me that the hardest part was erecting those those huge hair pieces. <laughs> Sorry, I had to use that word somewhere. But... <laughs> I wonder where it was going. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I veered left. It's all right. So it's just I do the makeup, which took a while because it was a big sort of stagey glamour makeup. And then she had two wigs on, so she had an Emma wore a wig that we scraped back off her head and it became part of whatever we put on top some of the time. So that was the basis of all the hair pieces and frames and stuff that we built. And and I suppose the hardest part was then getting these sort of big structures on top of her head and attaching them to her head safely so they'd stay on all day. And then getting her out of the makeup bus <laughs> with a sort of... A, measuring like eight foot high and trying to get her out without smashing the whole thing apart and then maintain it during the day going to the toilet you know all of that stuff yeah Yeah. so I I take it she was a good sport about it yeah she's such a good sport because we laughed so much in there we had such a good time and there was nowhere she wouldn't go it the more I the further I went the happier she was so but she was also 
you know, corseted and pulled and stretched and wearing these incredible costumes, but very structured. So it was quite something. And they were some of them were the big white ball costumes were huge. And it was quite something for her to pull that off. And then at one point we had we had four hundred and fifty thousand pounds worth of diamonds draped across that white wig by De Beers with covered in and we were followed everywhere by security guards. By security, yeah. <laughs> which drove us a bit mad, but yeah. It was just ridiculous having all these diamonds everywhere. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, Julia, what would you look back as being your biggest challenge? Um, the biggest challenge? Uh, oh, heck. Well, the, the logistics was massive, constantly moving with so many things, so many wigs to travel and pack and make sure we had the right stuff in the right place. Also, it's the, you know, the, the black and white wigs, that they were a challenge. They were hard because they were acrylics and we had to set and steam and we, so we got them quite late. So it was all hands on deck to get those set and dressed out. And because because they were meant to look the same, and as, as Nadia mentioned, that there's quite, those wigs are quite, they are quite tricky. You, you see them as a totally different thing as a normal, you know, one colour sort of head of hair. And so obviously they needed to look the same. So then you've got to get all the black and the white to look the same, all the sort of the set and the, the way it was dressed. So we had everybody settling and dressing them out. And then we'd have a final few people just placing the hair at the front in the, in the sort of the same way. I mean, to me, they all look totally different. But I think as a general, I think for most people, when they look at it, they all just see the same thing. But we were like, oh, my God, that looks so different to that one. And that one looks so different to that one. And so, yeah, so that, that was, that was yeah. And it was the same. It was a time thing as well. We were really sort of pushed for time to get those done. Yeah, that was, that was pretty challenging. I mean, yeah, it was just very busy. It was just very busy all the time. There was no down days. But, you know, it's a, you know you've got that support from, from everybody. You know, the production was really supportive, you know. So, yeah, we had that, So which, is, which helps a lot, you know. Production were, you know, obviously Nadia was. And, but, yeah, it was the logistics and I think particularly those, those black and white wigs, yeah. Going cross-eyed. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, as I said, like Nadia said, there's something about it, about the colours that really, yeah. Such yeah. A contrast. yeah. It's funny what you would think would be the simplest thing or look the simplest thing actually is, mm. is the hard yeah. to pull yeah. off. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We, we wanted to kick them across the room when we'd finished them. When we finally finished filming with them, we wanted to kick them, kick them across the room. <laughs> I think there's always some type of sacrificial piece you want to just burn at the end, isn't there? Oh, <laughs> just something God. that's driven you insane. <laughs> drop kick them out of the marquee into a field. <laughs> Laura Morse, who was one of the amazing hairdressers in the crowd, and yeah. she honestly, I felt like she wanted to have some sort of burning outside of all of them. She had had enough of looking at those so looking back from start to finish the creating Cruella any standout lessons learned I guess I would say I I learned a lot because it was the biggest thing that I'd ever done I'd never I'd never done anything of that size I, I come from a you know indie film background so I'd I'd never dealt with anything of, of that size. And also with that kind of, you know, with everything attached to it that it's got is such an iconic character. And, you know, and I had ne- and I never e- expected what would 
come afterwards you know the the fans and the of, of, of a Cruella and and so I think it's I've learned a lot from doing something of that size and at the risk of sounding a, a bit naff what I've learned is that I'm I'm really proud that we did that we did something different and we pushed ourselves from everywhere from from myself from Naomi from the teams from from the crowd that we that that we we did view it as from the script I guess and from the fact that it was a almost like a a punk film set in the 1970s and that we didn't just view it like a Disney film and, and we stayed in the lines. We, we went for it. And I think because of everything that's happened and how we're being recognised for it, I guess the lesson for me is that it's good to be brave and it's good to kind of follow your heart and to want to create art and do something different and not just kind of stay in the lines I guess yeah that's that's what I would that's what I would take from it it's easy to say it now because it's being so recognized but that's that's the lovely thing from it for me but I I actually think I was thinking that people's attitudes for instance the academy would who who look at a film like this where all those boundaries have been pushed and and it's an incredibly visually creative film from all of us from Julia and Nadia and everybody and appreciate that it's 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 quite a change i think to take a film that is is painted faces but pushed to the limits and it's not prosthetics it's not special effects it's it's more it's a more of an artistic interpretation and they've taken that they've appreciated that and they've given us put us in a situation where they voted for us and nominated us and I feel that it's such a huge change in attitude to the way people look at film that wouldn't maybe have happened 10 or 15 years ago. And I think that's incredible, actually. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's very cool. And Julia, lessons learned? Don't work with black and white wigs. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you never, know never how say, to do it now. Never, never say never. Never say yeah. never. No, we need to go back to the second one, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can she maybe dyed her hair by then and not make her not <laughs> um lessons learned lessons learned gosh I, I don't know really i don't know i mean just basically you know i i just kind of go with my gut and choose jobs on the you know the idea of the, the creativity mostly and that's and that's yeah i mean i i can't think of any lessons learned really apart from that that it, it was just a great experience and um, fun and creative and and that's what I try to choose to do on, on every project. Sometimes it doesn't work out quite so well, but um, yeah. Now, I think Naomi might have actually answered a little bit of this um, before, but what do you feel sets your work apart from your fellow nominees? Yeah, as Naomi said, I think the, the, the kind of striking difference is that we are being celebrated for a, a film that is, as she said, painted faces and hair, and there is no prosthetics in this at all. And we have created characters from basic kit, if you like, you know, and and also created kind of different personas and, and, and real characters just using hair and makeup. And I'm kind of 
blown away that we have been recognized for that and really really grateful for that and and people that have spoken to me that have you know watching all the films are, are, and that's the thing that they're saying that it is it's being noticed because the looks are so bold and we've been brave with it and I think yeah that would that would be the striking striking difference I guess and also as I said to to take a Disney film and kind of do something out of the lines is is quite quite brave too so yeah I would say that's what sets sets us apart. What's great though that Disney allowed us or allowed you Nadia to go down that road you'd never think this was a Disney movie. Yeah yeah. You had total free reign no one ever said no that's too much or pulled you back or yeah you know it's and you had a director that let you do it as well, didn't you? I mean, I can't. Like, I look back on it now, and it, it, it's it's so funny when you, we're talking about these things now. But when I look back on it, I actually don't ever remember a time. I don't know if you guys do, but that we ever had anyone go. Mm, I don't know if that's a bit bit much. And you know, it's not mm. like we were ever playing safe. It's like as Naomi said, Emma's hair grew bigger and bigger. Emma's face got covered in more and more mad things. And it was like, you know, they just let us run wild with it. And it was that, that's, Mm. it's kind of amazing that that happened. But I do think a lot of that is down to having Craig Gillespie as the director who came in very much. He's an indie filmmaker. Everything he'd done before was kind of offbeat. If you look at things like Lars and the Real Girl and I, Tonya and, they're kind of offbeat indies. So to use someone like that for a film like this, you know that they're not going to, they didn't want someone to play safe. You know, he was he was from the beginning playing the Sex Pistols and the Clash and the Animals and over the top of things we were cutting. So it did give you that freedom to think, oh, actually, maybe we can be a bit braver here. And, and we, you know, and we did. And I think the people that were involved, you know, the guys here, I think if you give us an inch, we're, we're taking a mile <laughs> we're gonna go for it <laughs> yeah exactly right not one for holding back no, generally. no. no yeah, yeah. So, saying, it was lovely that nobody told you to hold back everybody just just kind of like you say you know craig just was like do it you know it was fantastic fantastic and it doesn't happen very often i don't think i say especially for the guys who do do the actors to be able to be able to have that freedom is great yeah it's it's very good to have a director who has a strong idea of a visual, a, a very strong visual idea, because he said to me, you know, I think Emma should have dark hair. I didn't dream of putting Emma in dark hair initially because I thought it'd be very hard for her to pull that off because she's she was a certain age and, and that can look very hard and ageing. But he insisted on having dark hair and he was right. He was absolutely right. And... And because she did pull it off and it looked sort of great. It gave her, it defined her in a way, that hair. And it was very, I mean, I started thinking, oh, I'm going to make her look like Elizabeth Taylor in the 60s. And that was the first look at Liberties. That was sort of an Elizabeth Taylor look. And in fact, that seems so subtle now. At the time, it seemed, <laughs> at the time, it didn't seem that subtle at all. But now it just looks like a glammy sort of very low key look compared to, how that hair just exploded upwards. <laughs> I think there was a kind of a strange kind of alchemy across the board, though, of who who the people were involved. Because I've always said, I've said loads of times that it it needed somebody completely separate to look after the Baroness, because they were 
they were two very different worlds. You had this really kind of chaotic energy with Cruella and that punk world. And then the Baronesses needed to be something completely different. And what where Craig was great was that he really kind of bridged that gap between the both, both of them. So he very much wanted to make a kind of indie punk movie, but he was very involved in the Baroness and who she should be. And, you know, it was a kind of, the freedom was given to all of us all around. And so, yeah, it was just, just great. Just, uh, you know, I can't actually believe how lucky we are. And now to be in the position we're in, it's just, it's kind of great. It, it's so great to have that freedom to go as far as you really want to go. Yeah. And for, for a director to never say, oh, nay, you've gone mad. Like sometimes people say to me, you've gone a bit bonkers. He never said that. He never said pull that back or he only encouraged you and he was very enthusiastic and he was great, actually. Now, we all know it takes a team. So if you would love to take a moment to give a shout out to those that helped you on the project, um, I encourage it. Okay, um, my biggest shout out now would be to Carolyn Cousins, who was my supervisor. And I think in these situations, what is recognised is kind of, you know, the big looks on the screen and, and the but there's always somebody that is kind of the backbone to the department and is doing all those jobs that seem at the time, those kind of tedious little jobs and sending the wigs back and organising, you know, whatever it might be and dailies coming in and that kind of thing and and also just creating the most incredible hairstyles and wigs on people like the chief of police who's the one that kind of busts the baroness and I mentioned him because he had a wig on and people were going up and looking and saying that's not a wig he was saying it is it's a wig and they were like, it can't be a wig and they were looking right up in his face and <laughs> Carolyn was doing that kind of work and I think they're always the sort of unsung heroes and she's just an incredible supportive person and an incredible talent so a huge shout out to her Guy Common who the Cruella makeups wouldn't be what they were without him I had all these crazy ideas and was trying to hone them down and he was his product knowledge was fantastic. So for him to kind of go, yeah, you could do that with one pencil or why don't you do this with, you know, it was just very creative and very collaborative. And so he was recognised at the Guild Awards at the weekend and I'm, I'm so happy for that. Honestly, every single other person that was in that team because everybody worked their socks off you know I'm sure Julia will speak about her crowd but I've never had a crowd room I've never seen a crowd room where people just didn't sit in the chair and they went oh that'll be fine yeah you can go through oh that'll be fine nobody did that there was dailies coming in bringing books in to show me or going oh what about if we did that with him they always pushed it as far as they could push it and it was yeah it was a fantastic fantastic team and none of us would be here with everything that's going on without without them so yeah um my entire professional life i've worked with peter owen who has made all of my wigs that i've mostly ever worked with and he made the wigs for the baroness and it's hard to get a lace front wig that you're scraping straight back every day straight back from the head and get away with it so but his wigs have allowed me really to pursue the career I've had because I have to give a shout out to him because everything I've done with hair and wigs has been done by him and his company and um, and the other person that really helped me on this was Lottie Goodship who who built all of those huge heads of hair and all of those white wig the white wigs and the this and that and Lolly was pretty incredible. So 
they're the people that I would like to mention. But I'd like to say about Caroline Cousins is that she would come on the set and go, nay, the hair lace is lifting on the right. And and she would give me notes all the time. And I loved that. I loved that she would give me notes and because it was never, you know, just to make sure it was always perfect. And she's she's amazing at watching the entire movie and making sure that everyone's designs are being fulfilled in the best possible way. And that's why you've got such a great person there, Nadia. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, gosh, <laughs> I've got a long list. <laughs> um, but, but primarily, um, primarily Laura, Laura Morse was amazing, my right-hand person on that job. And I have two amazing girls as well, Anastasia Story and Rhea Noll. They've been with me for about five or six years now, moving up the ranks. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, so many people. I mean, Marilyn Sherman, Suzanne Harper, people, Pippa um, Hindle, Kathy Birchak. Oh, gosh, I'm just trying to picture the rooms now, where everyone's sitting. Laura Pollock. Laura Pollock was hacking away all those black and white wigs. She's, 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 she's actually got a picture of her with all these little nicks on her finger where she was hacking <laughs> away at them. So Laura Pollock, I mean, you know, I mean, just so many, so many people. You know, Annie Townsend, a beautiful, amazing hairdresser who's just, that was her last job. She retired after that. Um, incredible hairdresser Rose Ward again been around forever amazing hairdresser you know none of them ever sat down even in their sort of late 60s early 70s never sat down always wig dressing you know they were like machines all of them you know they were all nobody ever sat down and was lazy not one of them everybody was constantly working dressing fitting uh, on set you know it was just yeah I mean there's just so many so many names to mention really but all my lovely trainees I mean it was just it was a big machine really it was a big machine and it was fantastic to have them all there I mean I could go on I mean no 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 but yeah yeah but those those are my sort of core people that were there for most of it most of the time. I Can I just say that I'm super happy to have these two ladies with me in in all of this like I couldn't honestly like think of better wing women to have with me and to do all this madness with and I'm I'm yeah I'm very grateful thank you yeah and I and and again and Carolyn Carolyn Cousins Carolyn Carolyn amazing amazing most gorgeous lady you know so she's just so real and supportive and doesn't expect anything from anybody she just wants to do a good job for you and and she's just lovely yeah yeah and it would be it would be be lovely to have had her here as well but yeah yeah that's awesome ladies so it has been fantastic to learn about what it took to get your work on camera daily and in turn bring you to this point today being nominated for an oscar so again congrats and thanks for joining me thank you so much for having us thanks. thank you thank you thanks to god to do it in the end eventually <laughs> <laughs> we're all busy and we made it happen Woohoo! For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.